Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In 1987, four childhood friends were reunited after 10 years to investigate the murder of a mentor they all shared. During this time, they unlocked the deep secrets of the past and found themselves exposed to the darkness that surrounded them. Soon it became more than a fight for justice. And instead, it became a fight against the ultimate evil. Six months later, in the winter of 1988, bonded by their knowledge of the dark unknown, they have decided to no longer be the victim. Now they seek out the deep roots of satanic corruption that hides in the shadows of society, all the while trying to mentor a new companion, seeking justice for the death of his cousin. Institutionalized is the second story arc in the Chronicles of Darkness first edition story, The Ultimate Evil, set in Bismarck, North Dakota in 1988. Join us in this tale of satanic horror with Wayne, played by Adam, Che, played by Andrew, Alex, played by Mitch, Michael, played by Slavic, and the newcomer Derek, played by Tillman. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM, and on Facebook and Discord at Twin Cities by Night. If you'd like to help support the podcast, you can find us on Patreon at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. After the cop gets into the elevator and you see the down arrow light up, you three are left there on your own. Go ahead and say scenes on you guys. Does anyone want anything from the wending machine? Not particularly. Are you guys all going to stay at the hospital or is it just going to be Mike? That's a question I was going to have. Like, I, I was going to bring that up. Like, uh, are you two really going to stay like right here? I am, but you know, you guys can go. I'll hold down the fort. Alex, are you staying? I kind of want to go to that school. That's the, the one that's a bit of ways away. Cool. What do you want to do at the school? I want to try something. Don't get caught. I think question mark anyway uh, i'll stay here you and derek can figure it out right yeah i guess that works what do you think derek are you up for a drive you really want to do that tonight do you guys want to take my car it's probably less suspicious than a van i mean if we go tonight we'll probably get there after they close for the day which will make it easier to snoop around they are actually to to add to that they are actually like an on-campus school like the kids stay there there's always staff there you know they're not like People don't go home and leave it empty kind of thing, you know? So that's that's what I was trying to point out earlier, you know? I get you, but Alex also has the skill. Alex has larceny for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah. If you, if you guys want to go there now or if you want, yeah, it's your call, you know? Alex is kind of figuring that any information that we need to get, we're not going to come by honestly because the school's probably going to be trying to cover their ass. So he's thinking maybe let's just break in. And he's also thinking of using uh, the one merit he has. Uh, what merit's that? Psychometry. Uh, and explain that to, to me and the listeners again. Psychometry, basically, it's spirits touch from vampire. It is a subset of clairvoyance that deals with perceiving the history of physical objects. Also known as object reading, psychometry permits a psychic to handle an object for several seconds and then undergo a brief vision of important moments in the object's history. Exactly what the most important moments are is a matter for storyteller discretion. But as a general rule, the stronger the emotions connected with the item, the more clearly the psychometrist can see events connected to those feelings. 
Negative emotions tend to resonate more than positive ones, so the fact that a little girl loved her teddy bear will usually be overshadowed by the fact that she was holding it as she watched her mother's murder. Psychometry is generally tied to objects, not places, and an object must generally be small enough to fit in both hands. For every point of size an object has over three, the psychic suffers a negative one penalty in addition to the penalties listed below. With the four-dot version of this merit, location and size limitations do not apply. So how many dots do you have in it? Just curious. I have the four dot. Oh, okay. That's that's awesome. Oh. Right. <laughs> go to the school, spend a willpower, and get yeah. overwhelmed by shitty events. <laughs> so if you guys want to do that tonight, that's fine. Just a couple things. It's up north, so you'd have to get on Highway 94, and you'd have to drive up to Minokin, which is north of Bismarck. Uh, that's about an hour drive. If if that's the route that you guys want to go now, or you can go any other time. I'm I'm not trying to like I'm not trying to put you, you know what I mean you in any kind of situation where you have to decide. Actually, you, yeah. Now that I think about it, as we're on the way out, hey Derek, I got a different idea, and Alex will turn around and head back towards uh, Mike. Oh, I assume we hadn't left yet. Yeah, we'll oh, say I that. You guys, no, I we'll say we that. started walking down the hallway. Okay. You guys turn around and see Mike there setting up the cot that uh, nurse has brought him right now. He has like a blanket and a pillow. Go ahead. Scenes on you guys. Hey, Mike, I got a question for you. Do you think you'll be able to get us to the impound lot where they took the uh, the Jeep? Possibly. I could call in a favor. But, you know, people still know me, so should be fine. Yeah, if I can get to the Jeep, I might be able to uh, get a better sense of what happened on the highway. All right. Uh, you mind if we do that? Tomorrow morning, though, I suppose. Let's just I really want to see if Chase going to be all right. All right. Okay. How about this? I don't think we can like do everything we want to this night. Derek is gonna grab like a piece of paper and a pen from wherever, maybe like the reception desk. He's gonna write down his like personal uh, phone number from like his apartment, not his parents' place. And he's going to give it to Michael and then think about it, make another copy, give it to Alex. This is my phone number. You can call me anytime, really. You're not going to wake up anyone beside me. I intend to go home. Alex, I can drive you wherever, but please not the school like this night. <laughs> All uh, right. And Michael, if something comes up, you just call me. I'll be here in like 15, 20 minutes. And you and Alex can even like meet tomorrow at the office because Alex has a key, you know, if you want to meet tomorrow morning and, you know, just open up and see your guys' call about that too. Uh, my plan was uh, actually, uh, Michael, I'll get you breakfast tomorrow morning. When do you want me to show up? Uh, let's say 8.30. Cool. It's fine if you're a couple of minutes late or whatever. I don't expect things to go quickly here. Uh, Alex, do you want me to pick you up then? Yeah, that'll work. And we can sort of figure it out from there. Just, All right. There's a lot of shit going on in my head right now. Definitely. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on. You guys all go back to your respected residence. Derek, you drop off. Alex, you go back to your apartment. You probably fall asleep as soon as your head hits the pillow. Michael, do you think you have an easy time falling asleep? Or do you think you just kind of like sit on this cot in this somewhat dimly lit lobby, you know, with, with some light? dim light coming from the desk do you think you're able to go to sleep or do you think that you're just i think he'll struggle for like an hour or two but i guess then he'll just fall asleep regardless probably like some weird dreams you know definitely any idea what he's dreaming about 
Well, I mean, he'll probably wake up with these like memories of either like of Che or something else, you know, of the other people who've gone missing and him probably like watching from the sidelines. It all happened. Oh, and they're anxious thoughts, I'm sure. Like you can't yeah. control them. Oof, that's rough. I feel bad for Michael. I feel bad for all you guys, especially Alex. Because Alex, hmm. when you put your head down on the pillow and you go to sleep, you start having dreams again. And it's this gut-wrenching feeling because you know when they're about to happen because they're very surreal. They're very vivid dreams always with you. And in this dream, nightmares. and in this nightmare, you see yourself standing when what you think is a puddle. Like you move your foot and you're looking down at your foot and you see like light, this kind of a red light is kind of shimmering off of this body of water. But the more you move your foot, you realize that it's a dark fluid. It's not like a lake or an ocean or a pool. And there's a moment where you try to put your hands in front of your face and you can't quite make out your hands because the darkness is so pitch. But you see a red hue coming. And as you slowly look up and around, you realize it's coming from way above your head. Your neck is craned all the way back as you stare up into the sky or what you think may be the sky. And you see this bright red circumference in the sky and you realize that everything around it is dark and it strains your eyes looking up into it but you feel yourself magnetized and there's a moment where you hear a loud thunderous sound coming from within this darkness you hear a ripping that almost sounds like a tear and as you look off into the horizon in the opposite direction of this red sun or red moon or whatever it may be you see this in the sky there seems to be gray lightning. Or is that lightning? Because it looks like a tear for a second. And from this tear, you see the silhouette. It looks silver that's coming through it. It looks like a person, but so far off, it looks ant-sized. And you see that there's a silver string that's almost coming from behind this person. And you see that it's almost getting pulled into the gravitational pull of this red circumference in the sky. And you look back at it and you realize for a second you stare at horror because you realize there's a large silhouette of a woman that is almost in front of this red sun. You can only make out the shoulders and the head, but you see these long wisps of shadows that look like its hair. And you see this silver small figure in comparison to it. feels like you see it almost being pulled in a current and the silver string is behind this figure. And that string leads back into that tear. And then your ears, you start hearing this loud buzzing of insects. And it gets louder and louder. And you see that small silhouette of that silver figure. It looks so small in comparison. Like if you were to take out your fingers and measure it, you could almost do that. And there's a moment where you start feeling fear for that little figure that's off in the distance. And you look in front of you for a second and you see that that silver string that was behind the figure is no longer going into that tear in the fabric of the sky that now it is coming all the way down from the sky that you see it in and you see it within two feet of you it looks like a silk rope of sorts and you see it's dragging as this figure is going closer and closer into this woman it's almost like you could grab that silver string if you wanted to and almost prevent this figure from falling into the depths of this woman. What are you doing in your dream right now? 
trying to recognize who the woman is. You can't make out the woman and you can't even, even calling it a woman is almost doing it injustice. Cause it's almost, it's almost a Titan. It's almost like a giant. And that the fact that all you can see is its shoulders and the silhouette of its head and its hair, it almost seems to be the darkness, but in front of this moon or in front of this red sun, it shows its head and its shoulders there. You can't make sense. It's really hard for you to grasp what exactly is going on here. But you know you see this silver string in front of you dangling as you look up and you see that small, minute figure is getting closer and closer. Like it's almost going to be engulfed by this figure of this lady. And you can see it waving its arms like it's trying to propel itself backwards. I'll grab the rope or the, the silver string. And when you do, you see the figure stop, the, the small, minute figure. And you see quickly as if it had never been there, it reels back towards that tear. And you feel that string gets pulled from your hand as you see that figure go back into that tear. And the tear, almost like in reversal, it heals it up. And you now are in this loud insecticide buzzing, this darkness. And you see the figure, the silhouette of the woman from the shoulders up turns. And you can tell from the shadows that its head now is looking down at you. And there's this moment where you get this fear overcomes you because you realize that her direction, her attention now is focused on you and your eyes snap open and you're covered in sweat. Was it the same kind of buzzing that was in the uh, bunker? Yes. Ah, God damn it. So your eyes snap open. We'll just cut back to, we'll cut back to Michael. Michael, you were able to sleep like three or four hours tonight. You soon find you can sense the sunlight coming through the large glass. You know how all these first floor, these hospitals have like glass walls and you can feel like the sunlight, especially that when it starts, when it starts reflecting off the snow crust or the icicles, it kind of starts coming over your face and you yawn and you wake up and you have this like old army blanket kind of over you and you have these pillows underneath and you sit up, you have that taste of morning in your mouth and you look around and you kind of see that like there's more nurses now at that nursing station you see that there's like a TV playing by them and they're watching the news. And what are you doing at this moment? I'll go and check who the cop is on if it's really Johnson or not. So you walk up to the, are you going to ask like the nurses or? I'm probably just going to walk up there. So, oh, walk to the, okay, to where he's at. When you are walking, well, actually give me a wits and composure roll, please. Ready. Two successes. So you get up. And you fold up the, the blanket and you fold up the pillow. You put the cot away. And you know that the elevators are kind of like like where you're sleeping at now. You'd have to like kind of walk out of the lobby a little bit and kind of go around this like little wall where there's like some Coke machines and the elevators are at. And there's like a little water fountain. So you put your stuff away, kind of fix your shirt up, tuck it in a little bit, like fix your hair a little bit. I'm sure maybe get like a quick drink of water from the water fountain to clear out your mouth. And you start walking around that wall and you get to the elevator. And you see there's like four people waiting for the elevator and you just kind of go and you see that there's already going up and you know that where he's going to be at. And there's a moment where you kind of sit in there and you're kind of still tired and you look at the person to your right and you see that's a guy. He looks like he has like dress slacks on and a button up shirt. And you look past him and you're kind of taken aback for a second because you see your mom standing there and she's like waiting for the elevator. You see that she has like some slacks on some brown like polyester slacks and has her like green winter jacket that she has on and she has these rubber winter boots on that are underneath the pants and she has like this green like knitted cap that she has over her grain 
brown hair that kind of goes down to her shoulders and she doesn't see you as she is holding onto her purse with one arm. What are you going to do? Oh, hey, mom. And there's a moment where she turns and looks at you and you see for a second she's caught off guard, but she looks like surprised, almost like guilty a little bit. She's like, oh, what's going, what's going on? Oh, hey, what are you doing here? Uh, well, Che's in the hospital right now, so. For, for what? Is he okay? Well, no, not really. I'm, we're still trying to figure it all out. <laughs> she starts coughing. You see she's like covering her mouth for a second. You kind of see that it's a rather deep cough and you kind of, she just puts her finger up for a second. And then when she's done, she turns and looks at you. I'm sorry to hear that. And there's this awkwardness between you two as she's kind of looking at you for a second. Are you all right? What are you doing here? Oh, and she's just, you see, you hear that, oh, with that exhale of breath for a second. And you know, that's what your mom is like burdened with something. She's like, she looks around. She's like, come over here. And she, you see that there's two like pleather chairs, like comfortable chairs that are kind of like away from the elevator along the wall. And there's like this painting of like some random like skyline that's there. And she's like, uh, s- sit down, Mike. All right. She like sits down in the other chair and she like takes your hand and hers. And she puts like her other hand on top of it. So, you know, that cough that I've been dealing with for a while now. Yeah, I guess. So I got checked out last month and the results came back a couple of days ago. I want you to know that everything's going to be okay. All right. So for first thing, everything's going to be okay. I'm not a kid, mom. Just tell me. I got lung cancer. <sighs> all right. So do you need anything? Is there something I can help you with? No, I don't want you to worry about this. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm not worrying. I'm asking if you need help. Well, I'm going to talk to my doctor now, and we're going to figure out the treatment plan and find out how far along it is. All right. You go tell me, and I'll go talk to Johnson. Who's who's Johnson? Uh, from the force. Uh, he's the one guarding Chase's door. Anyway, uh, he's kind of a moron. Are you okay, Michael? <sighs> yeah, I just didn't sleep very well. I slept here at the hospital. Because I heard about it during the night. I went to check it out. Ryan was here from the forest. And, you know, we talked. And then I kind of fell asleep. Like, it's terrible. How about uh, this? And there's this case. It's just, it's really disgusting. So, yeah. It's been a really shitty couple of days with, you know, the cancer. How about this? Um... Call me tonight and we'll talk and I'll tell you about what I found out, okay? All right. I love you, Michael, all right? Love you too, Mom. And you see she gets up and she kind of like pats you on the shoulder as you're left sitting there and she gets into an elevator that's open as it closes behind you. Derek, your alarm gets up. Your alarm goes off. Or did you set your alarm? I think I did it out of habit because I would have done so for pretty much every day in the past couple of years. So your alarm goes off. And you hear, wah, 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 wah. are you the type of person who jumps out of bed in the morning? Or are you the type of person who takes some effort to get out of bed? I think like right now, Derek is pretty fit. He didn't work uh, too uh, physically last day, but he's got a lot on his mind, I would say. Does he like, ever? <laughs> yeah, like particularly the the thing with Che, he he didn't really expect to like walk into the PI job thing. And on the first day, one of his coworkers is like severely injured. And what does he feel about 
like Alex's whole, like, Oh, I got to go to the school, but not really explaining, you know, like he wants to go there and he seems like he wants to do some digging around, but like, what does that make you feel like at that moment? Because that's kind of different than kind of, you know, I, I going there on a PI base on a P uh, as a PI, you know, is more asking questions or whatever. Are you getting that vibe? That's what Alex wants to do when he goes there. Or what are you thinking about his like insistence last night about wanting to go there? Uh, I think Derek doesn't really know where to put that, but he's jotting it down as like he's he's trying to compensate for like maybe feeling guilty that he hasn't done enough and now his friend got injured. Like there probably is some sort of connection, maybe, or we just, uh, we haven't even looked at the school. We know so much is shady about it, but we haven't even looked at it. Yeah. So Derek is feeling like Alex just wanted to get shit done in any way possible, even if it takes like going there at midnight. What does, well, do you agree with that kind of outlook or do you like, what's Derek's? Uh, n- not really. I, I think Derek would have tried to like protect them from making poor decisions last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what you uh, did, he right? He knew he couldn't really stop Michael from sleeping at the hospital. He probably didn't really agree with it, mm. but he also knew like uh, he can't just like go along with everything that like Alex says to him. <laughs> like, drive me there. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> so there's that, and uh, Derek had like uh, committed himself to like watch his parents in the morning, so he wanted to get home last night and. Like talk to his mother and father about his new situation and then get back and step back into business. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, how did your talk go with your parents last night when you when you got home? Or was it too late? Or were they already asleep when you got home? Good question. I'm not sure if he would have talked to them at that point. It was yeah. probably like 10 at night, 10, 11, 11, 10, yeah. 11, maybe. Yeah. Uh, his, his mother might have been working, actually. His dad would have probably been asleep at that point. Yeah, probably. So he sees them at like breakfast. Okay. So you get in the shower, you get out of the shower and you hear the dun 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 from downstairs with the broom handle signifying that breakfast is ready for you downstairs. You walk down there, you see the normal, you go have your key. Well, the the door's unlocked. You go in there. You see your father, the same sight of him on the left in the living room, watching the local news. Doesn't really pay you any heed as the oxygen tank is right next to him. And you see your mom is in the little kitchenette area wearing the same waitress outfit that, you know, you saw her last time when she made you breakfast the day before. And you see she has made French toast today, which is kind of a big deal when she makes French toast because that's a little bit more time it takes. But usually she does it as like a celebratory thing. And you see, you know, like this is obviously probably because you got this job. And so she turns around, puts this hot stack of French toast with a thing of syrup right next to it. She looks at you and she's like, dig in. I think, by the way, Derek usually shows up in like work clothes or at least like partially in work clothes. Yeah. Uh, but today he doesn't need to. So uh, he chose like a pair of jeans and a long sleeve maroon polo. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe like, uh, I think her polo is not enough for going outside. So like a, a thick maroon sweater, but... he doesn't really have many interesting clothes (laughs) yeah yeah no but this is more of a professional vibe than like what he normally has yeah exactly so you see your mom as she's like looking at you she's like that's a change of pace uh yeah (laughs) i don't think i can show up with an oily overall for the pi job every day (laughs) look at you already changing this up 
What's it like, Derek? Come on now. You guys, you got to show you were out late last night. I hope you were working. And she just kind of winks at you. Uh, it's wild. Like, I, I think I came in on like one of the worst days possible. What do you um, mean? Do you see that car accident with the like, shooting shots? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No way. Are you looking into that? No, that's a coworker of mine. What? You see, there's a moment where she kind of just looks at you. You like, oh shit! Like the way she says, "What?" You see her eyebrows furrow. You get that scolding look for a second, and you kind of know what's about to come. You know when she says that, when she looks at you like that. No, you can't be doing that. Are you crazy? What was that guy getting into? That's the thing we don't know yet. Michael, my boss, he has some suspicions about like revenge from like a, a client, but we we don't really know. So are you going to carry a gun? Are they going to give you a gun or what? No, Derek. No. And you just see a moment. You see your dad's kind of like looking over the shoulder. You kind of look right away because you know she's getting loud and you see him kind of look for a second. And you see like one of his eyes looks all like sternly at you and you can see one of the plastic tubes going to his nostril as he's kind of like trying to look. And you hear this gravelly voice just come from like the seat. What's, what's this shit? He seemed like trying to like get up for a second. You see like there's a moment where like he's grabbing onto the chair of the, the arm, the arm of his chair of his recliner. And he's taking his cane that he has. It has like those four prongs at the bottom and he's trying to get himself up. And you see, he's doing like a pretty decent job of it. And you see there's a moment and there's this like silence between your mom and you as like, she's looking at him and he turns for a second and he's finally on his feet. And he's like, I'm going to get up and get over there and help him to come into the kitchen. You go to grab to like help him. He just kind of shakes your arm, your hand away. And like this pain, you know what I mean? Like hits you a little bit because you know, like how your father is, you know, he's very like cold and it kind of reminds you for a second, like the, your childhood with him, you know, and he looks at you and he looks at your mother and he's like, Molly, what, what, what's all this? He looks at you Derek, What's this? What, what's the shit you're getting into? Okay. Uh, I only told, Mom on the phone yesterday, the the welding shop is closing down. They lost the, the contract with the Civic Center and pretty much everyone was laid off yesterday, including me. There, there's hardly any other options in that field here in Bismarck. Um, so I had an offer that was like brokered to me from, from Jerry, Jerry Hackberg, to work for a private in- investigator company that uh, he supports. It's run by like an ex-cop from here. The two of them, they know each other really well uh, and they're looking for people. So I applied and they were like immediately convinced that this will work out. So what's the problem with this, Molly? Why would you let the boy get the goddamn job? And she looks at him and she's like, well, George, did you not just hear him talking about his friend being shot at and in the wreck? And he looks at you for a second. And he's like, were you involved in that? What was the story behind that shit? I don't know yet. No, I, I definitely was not involved in that. Then he looks at Molly. So what, again, what's the fucking problem with this? It's like, I don't want our son, our only son, to be out there getting shot at. That doesn't happen in Bismarck, George. And she, he looks at you and he looks at her. He's like, he just does his like shaking of his head. You know what I mean? The silent shake. And he's like, do you want him to grow up? not having a job do you not what what do you want do you want him to be a bum do you want him to be like me sit on his fucking ass all day or do you want him out there working and he puts his hand on his shoulder for a second on your shoulder for a second and that doesn't hardly ever happen you know and he kind of squeezes it gently and he's like turns around and he 
slowly makes his way back to his chair and you see like your mom just like looks at you and you know she's not angry at you you know she just turns and like goes and washes her hand on the her hands in the sink like kind of turned away from you a little bit you see her shoulders slump a little bit look mom uh we we talked to a to an actual police officer last night he he's on watch duty at the hospital they did not expect this they don't see that stuff happening either I don't know what's going on, but everyone is on high alert. Michael, my boss, was already saying we don't move around alone anymore when we're working. And I'm pretty sure like the police force is going to, to keep a close eye on everything that's happening right now. And there's this awkward moment of silence. You know, she's like, you see her back just kind of relax and she turns off the sink and dries her hands and she turns and looks at you. And you could tell like she it was like probably on the brink of crying. And she's like, Go eat your, eat your, eat your breakfast there. Eat your French toast. She turns and she puts the towel like on the little thing on the oven where you can put towels at on the handle. And she turns and she just kisses you on the cheek and she walks, grabs her purse and steps out the door and goes into the door, walks out the door and closes it behind her. Michael, you are in this elevator and you're going to the intensive care floor, which you found out was on the fifth floor. How are you processing finding, seeing your mother there and just like finding this shit out, like everything? Are you still kind of in that shock, lack of sleep, too much shit's going on, compartmentalized Uh, things mode? I I think he's slowly becoming like kind of pissed off and frustrated because of a lot of things happening out of his control. That temper starting to come like boil up a little bit. Definitely wants to uh, sort of uh, punch a wall. (laughs) <laughs> punch a wall yeah i i was thinking of you know just uh trashing something in the hospital but i i felt like he's better than that for yeah. now well, but he's... definitely definitely wants to you know and make this make someone know that he's angry yeah and guess what guess what you get to talk to someone you know who's a complete fucking dumbass so i'm sure that's gonna go <laughs> well together like oil and water you get off the elevator as it opens up and you realize when you walk into this room that this room is way different than the lobby that you're in this floor you get out and everything's like white you know everything's like the floor is white the walls are white you see along the edges that there are room doors they're brown and they have like one two three four and they kind of go all the way around you see in the middle there's a desk and you see the desk actually faces like it's circular and it faces all directions and you see that there's equipment along this wall or gurneys, stuff like that. You hear beeping. You hear like see nurses walking around. You see that the that in the desk there looks like some people who you imagine are doctors who have like doctors' coats on that are like on clipboards and they're talking to people behind the desk, like other doctors or nurses. And you see like along the edge, like you can almost make out through the din of of all the mich- the electronical equipment and all the swarms of people that are walking about that are professionals who are working here. You can see the blue of the cop shirt, and you can see that motherfucker Johnson over there with his kind of like double chin and his black mustache and his kind of like do- you know balding head and the dopey look that this guy has. It always just really drove you fucking nuts every time that you had to interact with this guy because he was on the force. He's been on the force for like 10 years and he still hasn't figured out exactly how to do what the basic shit that he's supposed to do. And you see that there's a nurse who sees you when you get off the elevator and you kind of walk past the little lobby area there and she looks at you. She's like, can I help you, sir? Uh, yeah, I'm here to talk to Officer Johnson yeah, related to Che. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. And you see her look down. She's like, turns around. She's like, uh, Officer Johnson. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And she's like, 
Uh, you have someone here to speak with, and you see him look, and he's kind of like looking through the crowd. And then you see him walking along the hall edge to go around like the desk area, and and you see him kind of moving. You see he's like gained a little bit of weight, even more no- than normally. And he's like, oh, oh, hey, hey, oh, what's your name again? I know I used to be part of the Michael. force. Yeah, Michael Gray. Yeah, Mike, Mikey, right? Yep, the one and only. Yeah, yeah. Hey, buddy, what's going on? Well, my friend is currently behind that door you're standing in front of, and I've been interested in if he's doing okay. Oh, uh, I don't know. I mean, they, I just I hear the beeping going on. They go check on him. The big Indian guy, that's your friend? Oh, yeah, Ryan yeah. told me about that. Yeah. What are you doing hanging out with his type? Jesus fucking Christ. Don't get me started on you. What's really it? don't have the time. Nurse, can you please tell me how Chase doing? And you see there's a moment she looks at you and looks at him and he just kind of gives her this goofy like yeah, like shoulder shrug, go ahead. And she's like, uh she's like, Are you you're you're the friend, uh you're the one who he worked for? Friend slash employer. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Michael Gray. Okay. Um, so well, it's not looking good. What do you mean it's not looking good? Well, he's in a coma now. I mean his vitals are good, but him coming out of it. It's not looking good right now. His brain, the swelling continues. We've had to keep him induced to, to avoid any potential damage that could occur. He's on life support right now, though. I do, we are waiting to hear from his grandfather. We haven't been able to reach out yet. And then you hear, like, this guy go, that's what you get for fucking, you know, doing the stupid shit those res boys do. I thought that was Jesus fucking Christ. Can anybody here do their fucking job? And you see, like, there's a scr- like a, a moment, and he's like, hey, fella. You just feel his hand on your shoulder, like, calm down. Why don't you calm down a little bit? Is there a self-control role? Like, you have, you can roll. Don't you fucking touch me. Anyway, uh, Michael just turns around and goes away. And you just kind of, like, as you go towards the elevator, you see the reflection, kind of like that weird reflection elevators have. And you can see, like, these two figures, like, just the silhouettes of them, like, looking at you. Do you enjoy games of humanity fighting against the supernatural, literally? Then you'll definitely like our game Corruption. This Hunters Hunted 2 game is set in Washington, D.C. and follows an eclectic group of hunters who bond together through their brushes with the supernatural. 